verses today come from Matthew chapter 22 and Matthew chapter 28. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And then in Matthew 28, Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Good morning, friends. Welcome to The Well. My name is Ryan Gear. I'm the pastor here. And if you're new with us, you're our guest. And we're glad you're here. And if you'd like to let us know, just text the word welcome to 480-530-7234. It'll text you back with the digital connect card. Just fill that out and tell us about yourself and you'll get more information about The Well. If you don't get my weekly email, just go to our website, wellchurch.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page and you'll be able to see where you can sign up for my weekly email. And I send an email every Friday about what's happening in the church. So thanks for being with us today. We appreciate you. And today is the last week of our series, Reset, Life After the COVID Lockdown. So during this series, we've been asking ourselves the question, what did we learn during the COVID lockdown that would make our lives better if we remember it after the lockdown ends? How about you? Have you learned things about your time or what you value, your priorities? Patience, what's important in this world? Who is important in this world? How much we need each other? Have you learned things about work and in work-life balance or finances or the way we look at people in society who are essential workers? What have you learned during the COVID lockdown about life that would make your life better after the lockdown ends? And we, we used a familiar list of character traits in the New Testament letter to the Galatians called the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on as a structure to help us kind of categorize what we've learned during the COVID lockdown. Today, uh, we're talking about the well, reset the well. What have we learned as a church during the COVID lockdown that is going to help us as a church as we come out of the lockdown and as we look to our future? Uh, I put out a survey a couple of weeks ago about the return to in-person worship. And so we're going to look at those results today and talk about returning to in-person worship. We're also going to talk about a team teaching strategy that you've seen us use now for the past couple of months. And then we're going to talk about why the well exists and why it's important for the well and churches like us to exist, number one, but to do well and to thrive and to have a vision of multiplying, of helping new churches like the well wherever they are needed. And so that's where we're headed today. And I'm just gonna jump right in. First, I'm going to give the survey results. 38 of you responded, thank you, to those of you who participated in the survey. And I'm going to give you the survey results and then talk about what those results tell us and and a return to in-person worship. So there were five questions and here's how you answered. Question one, 
was which best describes your timeline for returning to indoor in-person worship services at the well. 47% of you said you would attend in June. 18% of you said it may be later this summer. 29% said you'll wait until we reach herd immunity or until your children are vaccinated. 5% said it may be quite a while before you return. And then question two, when you return to indoor in-person worship services, how often do you plan on attending? 76% of you said weekly, 11% said every other week, 8% monthly, and 5% occasionally. And then uh, question three, well, kids will observe CDC COVID-19 guidelines for children's gatherings. If you plan to bring children, uh, infant to fifth grade, to church with you, how many children will you bring? And 11% or 11% said one, 20%, uh, 21% two, uh, 3% said three or more, and 66% of you said either you don't have children or your children are not those age groups. Uh, question four, if you plan to attend indoor in-person worship services soon, would you be willing to volunteer in a ministry like greeters, hospitality, road crew, well kids, worship music, technology, etc.? Uh, 58% of you said yes, 42% said no. And then question five, while there are no immediate plans to change service times, which service day time do you prefer? 42% of you said Sundays at 10, uh, 8% <laughs> excuse me, preferred Saturdays at 5, and 50% said either would work for you. So there are the results. Uh, is there anything there surprising to you at all? Is that what you expected? Uh, saw those results come in, and it was clarifying for me. It was good to hear from you. Thank you for participating. And, uh, and we've taken this survey seriously. And, and the uh, strategy for returning to in-person worship is based on the survey results and on the CDC guidelines. So here's what we're looking at now. 47% of you said June, 18% of you said later this summer. So sometime this summer, we will be at 50-50, where 50% of you would want to return to in-person worship services, 50% of you would remain online. Now, when half of people want to do one thing and half of people, half the people want to do the other, that is a difficult situation for human beings, isn't it? It, it is difficult for every person, no matter how open-minded we think we are, we make a choice and we know why we're making that choice and we expect other people to make the same choice. And when it's 50-50, that's just not the case. And that's difficult, isn't it? But it reminds us of the need for the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, uh, right? To, to be able to look at somebody else and say, you know what, they have their reasons for why they want to do what they want to do. And, and I'm not that person. I don't know their full story. And so this is an opportunity for us as a church to realize we're about 50-50 sometime this summer. And it's important for us to serve all of our church, both of those groups. And so as we looked at the survey and we're thinking about you know, back to school time here in this area and uh, you know, just people's comfort levels, here's what we're looking at. So what we're going to do is have one indoor service on June 13th at Hancock Elementary School. And that will be a chance for us to learn about how to have a simplified service. It's going to be much simpler than it was before. We'll sing a couple of songs, short sermon. Those of you who've been here before, you know how much we used to completely change the look of that elementary school gym. And it's not going to look that way anymore. We just don't have the, the, the number of people necessary to sustainably uh, set up all that equipment every week. And so it's going to be very simple, kind of the well-unplugged version. 
So on June 13th, that'll give us an opportunity to learn. We'll have well kids that day as well. And then here's what we're thinking. July 18th, we'll start weekly again. Now, the reason for July 18th is it'll probably be around that 50-50 time when about 50% would want to come back. 50% may not be comfortable coming back at this point. But it's also back to school time here. So the kids in Chandler go back to school that next week. No matter where you live in the valley, if, if children are the concern about whether you would be a part of indoor worship or not, that's decision-making time for school. So um, if parents send their kids back to the classroom, then I would imagine it's, it's probably reasonable to expect they would bring their kids to well kids. It would probably be more distanced than their child's classroom. For ch parents who are going to keep their kids home in, in online school, I would expect they won't come back until there's a vaccine for kids. And I, and I understand that, I'm a parent. So uh, that just seemed like a natural decision-making time. So June 13th for a, a June indoor service, and that'll give us an opportunity to meet together and to learn what this simplified service is going to be like. And then in July 18th, we'll start weekly again. Now, we'll have the, the seating at Hancock Elementary spread out to where you'll have more than six feet of distance between you and the person next to you. It will take up the entire gym. We used to put curtains up and block off part of the gym. We're not gonna do that. The seating will take up the entire gym. It's going to look a little bit different and a lot simpler, as I said but um, we want people to feel safe. Um, now, we won't be able to have infants and toddlers in well kids because of the impossibility of distancing them, but well kids will offer children's ministry for pre-K through fifth grade, and will observe the CDC guidelines for children who that age group are still gonna be unvaccinated at that point. And so we're going to observe CDC guidelines, which brings us to masks. The CDC threw us a curveball, didn't they? Uh, this past Thursday, stating that fully vaccinated people no longer have to wear masks or distance uh, th themselves. And that was a surprise to many of us, wasn't it? And uh, we want to follow the science and we want to follow the CDC guidelines and we want to make our own choices about what we feel is best for us. So if you would be willing to type in the comments right now, this is going to be our discussion question. If you're willing to type wherever you're watching right now and share your thoughts. How do you feel about the new CDC decision this week that fully vaccinated people no longer need to wear masks? And we ask that you'd be, please be civil in the comments, but tell us how you feel. Please share your opinion. Would you type that in the comments right now? How do you feel about the CDC decision this week that fully vaccinated people no longer need to wear masks? So at this point, vaccines are now available for children 12 and up. Vaccines are not available for children younger than 12. Um, regarding adults who have been fully vaccinated, some big retailers like Walmart and, and Costco, Trader Joe's, etc., are no longer requiring masks uh, of fully vaccinated people. Now, of course, that depends on the honor system that fully vaccinated people, you know, we would be able to know or, or trust that people are telling the truth about being fully vaccinated or not. But so here's what that means for us at the well. First of all, we will not require proof of vaccines to be a part of the church. There's no real feasible way of doing that. We're not going to swab people or check their temperatures. Um, well, kids will require masks for children and all volunteers in well kids. And we will observe distancing guidelines that, that apply to children who are unvaccinated right now. So that includes 
physical distancing, uh, masks, not sharing supplies. So every child will have their own set of supplies like crayons and markers and things that, um, that they use in, in stations during well kids where, where kids will be able to, in a distanced way, to kind of switch stations to watch a video and then to complete a craft using their own supplies uh, in well kids. But masks will be required for well kids, for children, and for volunteers. For fully vaccinated adults, we have the CDC guidelines now. A mask is not required, but it is encouraged. All of the well staff will be wearing a mask unless we're giving the sermon or leading in singing. So the, the well will not require masks for fully vaccinated people, just like the CDC guidelines. But I would remind you that according to the CDC website, as of yesterday, COVID-19 vaccines are effective at preventing COVID-19 disease, especially severe illness and death. It doesn't say that vaccines keep you from getting COVID. That's, impor that's important. And then COVID-19 vaccines reduce the risk of people spreading COVID-19. It does not say that if you're vaccinated, you can't spread it. It reduces the risk of people spreading COVID-19. So I'm thinking about our children. I'm thinking about people who are unvaccinated. I'm thinking about people who are just uncomfortable in general. And, and so for that reason, we won't require the wearing of masks for fully vaccinated people, but it's encouraged to wear a mask as neighborly behavior. The vaccine does not eliminate the spread and it does not eliminate the disease. So we encourage the wearing of masks and well staff will be wearing masks unless we're preaching or leading a song. So we'll have one indoor service June 13th at Hancock Elementary School. And then weekly indoor services will begin July 18th at Hancock Elementary, which brings me to the next point. We are now and we will always be a multi-site church. And here's what I mean about that right now. We are now going to become an in-person church and we're going to continue to be an online church. We are both now. We're going to be in person and we're going to be online and that will never change. We are now a multi-site church and both the in-person congregation and the online congregation are equally important to us. Now, before COVID-19, we did not have an online service. We tried live streaming from Hancock and it was tough because it's a metal building and Wi-Fi and all that, but we did not have an online congregation. That's been a great, incredible development for us as a church during COVID-19. So if, if you feel like you, know, you live in this area, but you're not ready to return yet, I want you to hear that you are every bit as important to us as somebody in an in-person service. And we want to have an online service from now till the end of eternity when, where it can be quality, and we can have community online. And that's going to be new. A lot of churches had live streams, but, but we're not talking about just having a live stream. We're talking about having a great in-person congregation and an online congregation. And we're going to be exploring everything that can mean in new ways. How do you serve as a congregation online? What does it mean to have community online? There are some really cool, exciting things that the future will hold for an online congregation. 
And there are lots of people who have connected with us who don't live anywhere near Phoenix and who are probably not going to move here anytime soon or ever. So it's important to us to have a vibrant, thriving online community. Now, there is a change that will take place online. On July 18th, when we go to in-person worship here in Chandler, we will also go to one online location. You know, we've been, we've been meeting online at well.online.church and in Facebook. Once, once we go back in person here, we don't want to continue to split the online congregation. We want there to be one online option where everybody can gather together. There's strength in numbers, better discussion, better opportunities to, to form community. And so on July 18th, online church will migrate to Facebook only. Now, there are folks who have strong feelings about Facebook, and honestly, I do too. Um, at the same time, Facebook is the most powerful online communication tool uh, for us, for online church. And it, it allows us to have the opportunity to share the online church with other people through the existing Facebook network, whereas like well.online.church just doesn't do that. And so on July 18th, when we go to in-person at Hancock Elementary School, we'll also move our online service entirely to Facebook. And we'll have a, a thriving online congregation from now on. And we're going to learn and grow. And I'm, I'm very excited about the possibilities of online church for us. But The Well is now a multi-site church, in person and online, and we always will be. One of the things we've learned during the COVID lockdown is community is not dependent on geography. We've had people from all over the country join us. We've had speakers from all over the country who have been a part of our services through video. We've had people who have connected to us through online church and, and they're a part of the well every bit as much as somebody who lives in the Phoenix area. Now, and we'll continue to expand that. Now, why? Why? Why do we believe it's so important to be a multi-site church and to have an in-person presence and an online presence? The well is a unique and special kind of church. Relatively, there are not many churches like this in the United States. There are lots of cities in this country that do not have a church community like the well. For those of us who are local here, it's easy to take the well for granted. Some of you remember what it was like back in your perhaps conservative evangelical church days when you couldn't really be, asked, you couldn't really be honest about your questions and you couldn't really be yourself. Some of you were rejected for who you are. Some of you knew that your loved ones were rejected because of who they are. And there is a need for churches like The Well all over this country, and there just are not many of them. So really pouring into an online congregation is important. And it's also important to think about what we could do to start new physical locations in other parts of the country. From the beginning of the well, we've recognized that Chandler, Arizona is not the only place on planet Earth where a church like the well is needed. And COVID has just reinforced that through online church. And on our website, for example, we have an, you know, an about us page and with frequently asked questions. And one of them is, what is your vision for the well? And this is what it's always said for the past couple of years that our church has existed. We believe the well should have a permanent home in Chandler 
And because churches like the well are needed in every metropolitan area in America, we believe God is calling us to help new like-minded churches come into existence. We've always had a multi-site and church planting vision for the well. We started weekly services on April 7th, 2019. The week before that, there was no well. So we know that, that new things happen, new communities come into existence when you see the need and you get the vision and you put in the work to make it happen. That's how we started the well. That's how we started the online community. When the COVID lockdown started, <coughs> excuse me, there was no online community of the well, but we saw the need, the obvious need, like, well, we can't have church this Sunday, so we gotta do something. Well, that's the need. And then we got the vision and then we put in the work to make it happen. And we'll continue to do that in person and online. And now we look around the rest of this country and we see the need for churches like the well. And we have a vision and we're willing to put in the work to make that happen. So we're thinking about in-person worship here in the Phoenix area and we're thinking about an online congregation, and then we're thinking about new physical locations of the well and other locations, or helping and or helping other new churches start wherever we can. And there are people who say, well, the well's small and new. Shouldn't you wait? Well, the answer is no, we shouldn't wait. There are church planting and, and missiology studies showing that Churches that start new communities always benefit. They actually grow themselves numerically for people who are concerned about finances and, and numbers. And the churches who start new communities, those churches actually benefit because there's a, there's a mentality that it's not just us for and no more. We care about the world. God loves the world, including people who don't have access to a community like this. And when we, we catch that fire, oh, it helps us too. And then if we say, well, wait, isn't there just some magic number? We should get to a certain size or we should have a certain budget before we help start other churches. And for many, folk, for many, for many people, that time just never comes. It's always wait, 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 wait. But God loves the world and the need is great and the time is now. So the well is a multi-site church and will be from now until you know, the rest of our lives. And... Uh, that brings us to another uh, point, that, and you've been experiencing this for the past couple of months now, that we have adopted a team teaching strategy at The Well. So you've already noticed that in addition to me, Aaron Stritzel has been giving sermons now, and Jezekiel Vitalzi, and we believe in the ministry of women at The Well. And so I'm excited to announce on July 25th, we're going to welcome special guest Amy Price, who is a pastor in Ohio, and she's going to give uh, the sermon on July 25th. So in June and July, my speaking schedule is going to be pretty light because I, I try to lighten up in the summertime. And so I'll be speaking a little bit in June and July. And then uh, in August, <laughs> excuse me, I have allergies. I promise it's allergies. In August, uh, I'll be speaking a little more often. So maybe perhaps 40% of the time I'll be giving the sermon. And then the rest of the time, you're going to be hearing from the rest of our teaching team. Now, as we said, COVID has shown us that uh, community is not dependent on geography. So you'll see the same sermon in person that you will online. Aaron Stritzel lives in Durango, Colorado. 
He can't fly here every time he gives a sermon. So online and in person, you'll see Aaron's sermon on video. The same thing for Amy Price. She lives in Ohio. That's a long flight. So you'll see her give the sermon online and at Hancock Elementary in person, you'll see her on video. Jezekiel Vitalzi, sometimes he might be live, sometimes he would be on video. So what that means is, even in person, there will be sermons on video. A percentage of the sermons will be live. I will usually be live. A percentage of the sermons will be on video. So that's a change. I've listened to you know folks, uh, well-meaning folks who who would hear uh, a sermon, you know, video sermons, and and they would immediately just, oh, I could never do that. And then, of course, they leave the service and they, and they pull out their cell phone and they look at a screen or they go home and watch TV. They go to the movies. And the truth is that a team teaching strategy like this, and it, it requires video because there are people in our team who don't live here. It does several things for us. Number one, team teaching provides a diversity of voices that you hear from uh, different teachers and maybe slightly different views at times. And that's okay here at the well. And that's a shift if you grew up in churches like I did where that would never be tolerated. But we believe that there is strength in diversity. Team teaching also makes starting and leading churches like the well more sustainable. And then, as, as we said, community is not dependent on geography. We've learned that. And so a percentage of sermons will be given by video because they'll be given by people who don't live here. So team teaching offers several advantages to us, but it's a change and change is hard. And so that's why we're talking about it now and you've already seen it work online. And I'm excited about what it does for us in the future. Now, I wanna spend the rest of the sermon talking about why. We're talking about change. We're talking about the tension of having 50% of people who want in-person and 50% online. And we're talking about video sermons and why. Why is all this important? Why is the well important? Why does the well exist? And why is it so important to us that we think and pray about what God is calling us to be as a community? Why does all of this matter? Well, like we said earlier, the well is a unique kind of church, and there are not many like it. For the bulk of people in the United States, their experience of church is not like this. There is no well or church like it in their area that can say things like this. The well is forward thinking both in theology and in style. So we have forward-thinking theology and ways of, of looking at the Bible and God and, and talking about spiritual things. And we also have a more modern style of worship. In most cities, you can find Episcopalian churches. And I have Episcopalian friends. They're great people. But it's a different worship style than a lot of folks would be used to. So at the well, we have forward-thinking theology and also a more modern forward-thinking style. The well believes that thinking people can take the Bible seriously because we interpret it in the light of its historical context. And you can ask questions, and that's all important because that makes all the difference in the world about how we view God and how we view other 
people. That's the difference between a Southern Baptist church and a church like the well. It's the way we view the Bible. The well believes that faith and science do not have to be enemies. Have we learned the importance of that during the COVID-19 lockdown? A church that believes that science is not the enemy, that, that science and the Bible can coexist, and that the Bible uh, and our brain can coexist. The well is an open and affirming church that welcomes the LGBTQ community into full participation in our church. And for some of you, that's you, or it's people you love, like for me, people I love. And you are sick and tired of watching people you love being rejected by communities of faith when they want to be a part of that community of faith. And they want to bring their families. And they're alienated and and treated as other by that community of faith. Well, not here. The well invites LGBTQ folks in full participation as an open and affirming church. And the well supports the ministry of, (laughs) excuse me, the well supports the ministry of women. And again, we're excited about welcoming Amy on July 25th. There are lots of cities in the United States where there are people who can't say those things about any church in their area. That's why this is so important. That's why the mission of the well is so important. I remember in October of 2013 when I was... uh, leading the previous church that my my wife and I started. And I gave a sermon that made it clear that, in a very mild-mannered way, mind you, that made it clear that we were going to, (coughs) excuse me, that we were going to welcome the LGBTQ community in full participation in our church. And in October of 2013, that was before same-sex marriage was legal in the United States. And over the next month, a third of the congregation left because of that decision. Now, most of the people left civilly, um, but there were some that um, treated me in such a way that I felt a sense of shame as a 38-year-old man at the time for my views. There were people who questioned my call as a pastor. There were people who questioned my salvation and my status as a Christian, that I, cu- I couldn't be a real pastor or a real Christian if I'm going to welcome people from the LGBTQ community into full participation in church. And as a 38-year-old man, I-, I could feel a sense of shame from some of those folks. It surprised me. Even though I completely believed in my decision and I was doing the right thing, I still felt the emotional turmoil that was... That was put on me by, by some other folks. And I remember thinking, if me as a 38-year-old guy feels this way, I completely understand why the suicide rate would be higher for an LGBTQ teenager. I can't imagine what it would feel like to have that kind of shame heaped on me as a teenager. I remember thinking about that over and over and over again. The well is a community that refuses to heap shame on folks any longer. That's one reason why it's so important. 
that we have a thriving church here in person and online, and that we think about how we could start new sites of the well or new churches like the well wherever we possibly can. That's just one reason that churches like the well are so needed. Our mission is to create a community where thinking, compassionate people can find a spiritual home and cultivate a Jesus-inspired life. Thinking people and people who are empathetic and compassionate where they can have a spiritual home. There are a lot of people who are thinking, compassionate people who feel spiritually homeless because there, there is no community around them that really welcomes them. They just don't find thinking and compassion in many of the churches around them. And we want to live a Jesus-inspired life. This is a church. We, we want to follow Jesus. And we believe that all of those things are possible. Do you know how rare that is in a church? That's why. That's another reason why it's so important that, that we give everything we have to the mission of the well here in person and online and wherever we can. Our values. The well is a place where you're free to express your, both your faith and your doubts so that you can spiritually grow to become your best self and, and you can partner with God to make a difference with your life. We believe that not having a way to express your faith and doubts and work through your faith is a barrier in lots of churches around the country. And there are people who, who are interested in spirituality. They're interested in Jesus Christ, but they don't have a community where they can just be honest and, and, and work through their normal questions that any thinking person has. They're shamed for their questions or it's just poo-pooed. They're just not allowed. And we believe that's a barrier. And so we want to remove that barrier to where folks can just be honest about their questions and doubts so that they can grow spiritually, so that they can grow closer to God and become everything God wants them to be and created them to be. And we can partner with God to make a difference with our lives and make this world better. That's what we value at the well. That's another reason why it's so important that we have a thriving in-person community and online church and communities wherever we possibly can help them exist. You don't have to pretend to be somebody you're not in order to be a part of the well. An example of the kind of church we are is in the sermon series that's coming up next week, actually. And this is part shameless plug and part illustration of what I'm talking about. So our sermon series uh, next week uh, is going to be a brand new series on the Ten Commandments. Now, let's be honest, some of us hear the Ten Commandments and we think, oh, our eyes roll back in our heads, and it, it just seems boring and archaic or trite. And we also know the way that the Ten Commandments are used in a, as a political football in the United States, which is part of another issue in the United States of how religion is so wrapped up in right-wing partisan politics that has repulsed you know, basically two to three generations of Americans who are leaving church because of that right now. We know the way that the Ten Commandments are used. So, you know, there are folks who want to pander to religious voters by saying, well, we want to put the Ten Commandments up on public property. And then you find out a few years later, those politicians are the ones who are most likely to break all of the commandments. But they use them for political gain. Well, at the well, we believe that thinking people can take the Bible seriously and interpret the Bible in the light of its historical context. And we're going to see in this series that in the light of their historical context, 
when they first appeared, perhaps 3,000 years ago. The Ten Commandments were an inspiring and challenging leap forward in their time. And here's the kicker. They still are. When we talk about commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Have we seen over the past few years, lots of Christians in the United States commit idolatry, which is what that breaking that commandment is, putting other things above God, political leaders, political party, ideology, nationalism. Have we seen Christians put lots of other things above God? Well, the Ten Commandments are just as relevant now as they ever were. And let's just be honest about our own lives. Do you find it a struggle to always be honest or to not covet, to not want things that belong to other people? And of course, if, if, we're, all, if we're honest, we all find the Ten Commandments to be a challenge. And so in the light of their historical context, the Ten Commandments were an inspiring and challenging leap forward. And we can study them in their context because of who we are at the well. And we believe that Scripture speaks to us and the Spirit of God speaks to us and they're inspiring and challenging to us today. And so that's where we're headed next week, a series on the Ten Commandments. So join us starting next week online only right now for that new series. And then I want to close with this. Why is it so important that we are committed and passionate about building a thriving in-person community here at the well, an online community, and new locations or new churches wherever we possibly can? A few weeks ago, I asked a question on Facebook. If, if the well has touched your life in any way in the past year, would you please message me and share me the story? And I just want to share a story that I received. A, a woman in the well writes this. She said, I saw your post about commenting on how the well has touched your life, and I wanted to mention two things. She said, first, uh, and I'm not going to name names here, but she said, when my husband tested positive for COVID last year, it was early in the pandemic, and, and fears were very high. Not that COVID is any less of a concern now, but I feel like at the time, all you heard were the super scary situations. We were all quarantined and waiting to see if anyone else would show symptoms. The boys didn't understand why daddy was isolated from them and couldn't leave the house. I was exhausted from suddenly becoming a single mom, caring for a sick husband and dealing with the mental fear of the whole situation. Not to mention that the boys have challenges that exhaust us on a normal day. And then she said this, several of the families of the well went out of their way to provide us with meals and gift cards to order food so that I would have one less thing to think about. They went above and beyond to show that they cared for us and were thinking about us. This was not something we had experienced in any other church. It meant so much to us, and I will never forget it. So that's compassion. And then I want to read the second thing she shared. She said, secondly, not exactly from the past year, but it definitely means the world to me. When my son was smaller, our previous experience in church was difficult. We were asked to pick him up from the kids' program most weeks because he would cry. He wasn't a behavior problem, but he would cry when we left him. So no one took the time to try to get to know him, connect with him, or solve the problem. Eventually, we left the church. When we felt he was old enough to handle going to church again, we began looking. This is why I came to church to the well before my husband. We didn't want to put the boys into a class if we weren't planning to return because transitions like that are difficult. And then she writes, we started attending the well. I knew that my other son could be a handful and we had already counted the days 
uh, to the end of the terrible twos and thrilling threes. Four or five came with no improvement. And she said, typically his poor behavior was isolated to home. Then it started coming out at another church program at a different church, the well and other programs he was involved in. The patience and understanding he received from Hannah, our, our children's director, and other teachers at the well still brings me to tears. He was, is hard, but they showed love every week. They took the time and effort to get to know him and talk with me to try to find out ways they could help. During that time, two other places asked that he not return to their program. I love being part of something that truly shows love for all of our children, especially those who need it the most. This past year has been difficult for everyone in many ways. We have gone on our own journey with my son and have just gotten some answers as to why this behavior has continued and are on the path to getting him the resources he needs. We know the journey is going to be slow. It's nice to know that when we return to in-person services, we will be returning to a group of people who show patience, love, and are there to support, not to judge. Public situations are hard with the boys, but never once have we felt the judgment or stress that we get in other settings. That means the world to us as parents, and I know that sends an even greater message to our children by showing love through action and not just words. Many thanks to you, to Hannah, the team at Well Kids, and everyone who makes the well what it is. Thank you for writing that message, and that message is to all of you who make a church like the well possible. Now, we're excited to return to in-person worship, and we're excited about online church, and we're excited about the possibility of new physical locations in time, and team teaching, and hearing a diversity of voices, and we're excited about all, all the possibilities that brings. We're already a multi-site church, an in-person church, and an online congregation, and that will always be the case, and we have a vision that the need is great that there are churches like the well that are needed in every metropolitan area of this country. And we want to be a part of, of answering that need, however we can. And so whether you're planning to be a part of the well in person or online, or if you're watching somewhere and you're thinking, man, I would like to have a, a physical location of the well or a church like it where I am. This is a time now to reset and hit the reset button. And I'm asking now for all of you who believe in a church like this and you see the need for a church like the well here and online and anywhere, I'm asking you to commit. I'm asking you to hit the reset button on your, uh, your dedication, on your involvement, whatever that looks like in person or online, because the need is great. And we're not the only people who need communities like this. And so whether it's in person or online or possibly in a, a, you know, a physical location somewhere else that doesn't exist yet, we love you. And I want to say personally thank you for being a part of this community, including you know, in person and online and everything we've been through for the past year. And we have an exciting future at The Well. And I'm glad that whether it's in person or online, that you're going to be a part of it. And I'm thankful for you 
and for your family, your loved ones, and your friends, and for sharing about the well. And I'm looking forward to hitting the reset button. And whenever the lockdown truly ends, I'm looking forward to seeing how we as a church community can learn and always live better and better and better. I invite you to pray with me. God, thank you for this amazing community of people called The Well. Thank you for their dedication. Thank you to those who attend, whether it's in person or online, and who volunteer and serve and give and, and pray and, and work and, and who share social media about The Well and who tell their friends about it and who, who have a passion for this kind of community that is so needed in this world. A kind of community where thinking compassionate people can find a spiritual home and actually belong. And we can be honest about our questions and doubts and, and we can grow and we can partner with you to make the world better. And we, we believe that the, the Bible and science are not enemies. And we believe that people who are rejected by so many churches should be able to participate fully here, like the LGBTQ community. And we value the ministry of women and God, we are committed as a congregation to following Jesus and to living out the great commandment and the great commission to love God and love our, excuse me, love our neighbors and share the good news as much as we possibly can. God, it's a challenge to see the need and to get a vision and to be willing to work to meet that need. But God, there are those of us here who want to rise to that challenge. We have been rising to it, and now we're going to hit the reset button and rise to it even more. I thank you for the people who are going to be coming back in person. I thank you for the people who are online. And I thank you for folks who are in other places right now where there could be physical locations in the future. Thank you for the people that you're going to reach, the lives you're going to touch, the stories that will be told the lives that could be saved, the hope, the healing that will be found, and for the community that will be experienced. Because those of us who were passionate about this answered your call and we hit the reset button and we made it happen. God, we thank you. And we're excited about the future that you've given to us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.